Hello and welcome from Good Shepherd Church of Camarillo. We're so glad you're with us. Here's today's message. Well, good morning. I'm so glad to be back here with you. So great to see all of you, familiar faces and some friends from other places as well. This is wonderful. So glad to be here uh, with all of you. Thank you to the worship team. Thank you each and every one for your time here today. And I surely am hoping and praying that today will be an encouragement and a blessing to all of us uh, here today. I see a few new faces, so uh, let me just quickly introduce myself. I wrote a poem for today. I've never read this poem, but I thought I would just give an introduction of myself just for everybody in case you haven't, uh, don't know who I am. Hello, everybody. My first name is Paul. Glad to be here. It's nice to see y'all. I'm from the South, in case you wonder, North Carolina, way over yonder. God's good to me. I got a nice life. 46 years old, married a fine wife. We got four girls. That's a lot of hair. A female dog, too. I could use some prayer. I am a chaplain and counselor in grief, helping the hurting to find some relief. I like to sing, and when I get the chance, I'm going to swing it with dementia residents. I'm a music therapist, in case you're wondering. Now, California is nice and a lot different, too. It's dang expensive. Yeah, you know it's true. But I plan to be here till my journey's end, because God brought me here to be your real friend. That's me, everybody, and I'm so honored to be here. So glad to be here. Today, I'm going to speak on this subject, biblical hope in a world of grief. As we've already heard, grief and loss are all around us. Uh, yesterday, I got a phone call from uh, one of the ladies that has been a big part of Mark Ministries and attends the Haven and, and the bridge, as you'll see the information on the back table as you leave, called me yesterday and said, please pray for my family. My 19-year-old great-nephew fell rock climb, climbing with his family in Colorado and perished just a few days ago. 19 years old with his family rock climbing as they witnessed his uh, uh, death. Just tragic, and the family is torn up. Christian-believing family, but just a tragedy. And I get phone calls like that all the time. Working at assisted hospice, I see... The long goodbye, what we call the slow goodbye, but obviously the sudden passings happen as well. And so we're surrounded by that. It's everywhere. How do we find biblical hope? What is our hope in this world of grief and represented in this room today? There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of sadness. And so we want to find that hope in these dark days that we have. Last week, I flew up to Sonoma County to officiate a wedding. I officiate a lot of funerals, about seven or eight every month, but I love when I have a wedding. I have about one a month, and those are always special, a totally different type of uh, setting. And as I flew all in one day, flew out early in the morning from Burbank, flew up to um, Oakland, and then got the transport service over to uh, Hillsburg and the Montage area over there in Sonoma County. It was really special. 
But once I arrived there, the weather changed. It was a lot different, and it was very cloudy and and rainy, and they hadn't uh, seen any sunshine for 24, 36 hours, and it was cold, and it was just a totally different feel. And before I officiated the wedding, as I arrived there and the transport service took me over there, the groom came down, and he said, man, this is not turning out the way I thought it would. He said, my fiance's soon-to-be wife, her cousin got E. coli, um, the family's sick, one of the family members in emergency room, ICU, they're not able to make it to the wedding. We're not even sure if she's going to live. The whole family's sick. Um, we've got other friends that couldn't make it, flights. She's, he said, look at the weather. It's here. He said, now we're going to try to stay positive and get through, but it's very stressful on my fiance. And he said, I'm nervous. And he was crying. I said, we're going to make the best of this. It's going to be fine. We're going to, we're going to think positive and we're just going to really celebrate this event and it's going to be okay. I'm going to be right there with you the whole way through. We went out to this little outside area called the Oak Cathedral. It's a beautiful little section and it was wet and cloudy and cold and, and some of the grandparents were there shivering and, and, um, we went through the ceremony. I tried to keep it as light, but accomplishing everything that we needed to. And, and towards the end of the ceremony, they wanted me to do this thing they called the nuptial blessing. And that time we pray. And I, and I, so I said this prayer and I said something to the effect of this. And God, I pray that your light and love would shine down on this new couple as they begin their journey together. And when I finished praying, the sky opened up, the clouds rolled back, and the sun literally started shining. And everyone started clapping, and it wasn't for me. It's because the sun was shining. There was light. And, and the bride's uncle, who had traveled a great distance, he was crippled. He had these special crutches, and one leg wasn't working very well. And he spoke up in front of everyone, <laughs> and he said, Well, that's a good sign. He said, I know you're a pastor and a chaplain. He said, but I didn't know you had direct access to God that quickly. He said, can you pray for me? And everyone was laughing. And someone said after that, the son brought hope to this day and this new marriage. And I was so grateful that God did that. Very special for this young Christian couple. And it was very encouraging. And I thought as I was preparing this message this week that the son of God, Jesus Christ, brings hope to our life. In our dark days, in our times of pain and difficulty. And in our scripture today, the apostle Paul writes to this group of believers in Thessalonica who are grieving about their family members and friends who have passed away. Or as he put it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, fallen asleep. I love how scripture points out when our loved ones pass away, it's like they have fallen asleep. Why? Because when we go to sleep, the intention when we're healthy and things are going well is that we're going to rise and get up again. And spiritually, when we know Christ, we have fallen asleep when our heart stops beating. But one day we will rise again. And so he says that here are some encouraging words for you as believers 
about your loved ones who have fallen asleep or who have died because at this particular time, these group of believers, there were a lot of questions. There were a lot of different opinions. They did not know exactly what was going to happen 2,000 years ago or so. And so Paul wanted to clear up the matter and he wanted to tell them here, let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me give you some encouraging, comforting words about what happens in the grief process, but what also can bring hope to your journey without your loved ones physically here anymore. And here's what we, he wrote, and I'm going to read it again as it was on the screen a moment ago. said, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. I wrote down a few things today from these two verses that I hope will be an encouragement. This may be even a part two from Pastor Chad's message, but I believe it will supplement and complement and help us today. I wrote down the word information. Here's the first point I want to draw your attention to from verse number 13. We can be uninformed about bereavement. There's a lot of missing information about how to grieve. There are a lot of uninformed people who are grieving. But I believe the greatest book on grief is the Bible. I believe the greatest book on loss is the Bible. I believe the greatest book on hope is found in the Holy Scriptures. Um, I started a series a long time ago uh, with one of our groups, The Haven, going through the book of Genesis about all the different grief experiences. And I thought, I'll do this for three or four weeks. We were in it for four months because I kept seeing loss after loss and how they dealt with it. And it was like, wow, it was written a long time, thousands of years ago. There's so much about this. There's so much about this in the scripture. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. It's not a cynical or a shallow hope, but it's sure and steadfast. We have this hope, this hope found in Christ, found in the scriptures that brings us this hope, just as if it were already in possession of us, that helps us through the heartache and the difficult times. That's the hope that we can have, this biblical hope in this world of grief that we are experiencing and that we hear about all around us. We can be uninformed about bereavement, and today my desire is that we will reinforce or reinform or inform us perhaps about this hope that we have in Christ found in the Scriptures. During World War II, the HMS Neptune hit an Italian minefield off of Tripoli on December 19, 1941. Lost were 764 British and New Zealand sailors and crew. Only one man survived. He was 20-year-old Norman Walton, who was later captured by an Italian ship and spent the next 15 months as a POW. But he had no idea he was the one and only survivor of the 764 sailors and crew. When he was told that he was the only survivor, he didn't believe it. And it took a long time to accept the fact that he was the only survivor. How did he escape? How did he survive? He escaped by climbing down the chain of the ship's anchor. 
and grabbing onto a floating raft because he found the anchor. And my friends, I want you to know today, as you go through this world, whether you've gone through a a loss, going through it now, or will go through it, you need an anchor. And that anchor is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ found in the scriptures. We don't have to be uninformed. We don't have to miss out on that. And so many people are just going through life, hurting without any hope. There is hope today in Jesus Christ. I wrote down the second word. I wrote down the word consolation. In verse 13, the next part says, but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep. I wrote down this, we are not alone in our loss. You heard the old statement that says, misery loves company. We hear that a lot, right? We've heard that many times. There's an, actually a second application to that little phrase there. Misery loves company. If somebody has a bad attitude and they're just miserable and they love it and they infect others. But I believe misery loves company would also apply to grievers. Because when we're miserable or we're hurting, we're suffering, many people find comfort and solace in knowing that there's company, that there's people around them that will support them. Some people self-isolate. I understand that and want to be alone, and that's how they get through their process at times, though that can lead to a dangerous and and more depressed type of behavior. But most of the time, a support group or something like we have here at Good Shepherd and other places as well is very important because it reminds us that we are not just going through this in a solitary way. There can be others that accompany us and support us and console us on our grief journey. All around us are people who are living through loss, people who have hope in the heartache because hope is for everyone. And there is a biblical hope found in Christ that is available for all of us. And when we unite together like we do here on a Sunday morning or perhaps a grief gathering or something online, we are finding that hope and we get comfort ourselves, but we're able to comfort others. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 reminds us that God comforts us One reason is so we can comfort others. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, we need to comfort and encourage the faint-hearted or the weak. And so many people, our hearts are broken as we go through our loss, and our hearts become faint and we become weak. We talked just this past week in uh, the grief support group here of how grief affects the heart and actually can alter the heart muscle and it can make the the tissue and and the organ there, it can actually promote weakness and how it can increase heart attack 21 fold in the first 24 hours. And without the proper support, it can cause a lot of difficulty. And so it's very, very important that we encourage those who are physically or spiritually faint-hearted or weak in heart in the grief process. There are 7.7 billion people in the world right now. According to the World Population Review, the city of Camarillo has a population of around 72,903 people. It is the 123rd largest city in California, and in case you're wondering, the 506th largest city in the United States. It is growing at a rate of 1.4% annually. 
and has a population density of 3,705 people per square mile. Now, I hear a lot of times, Camry is getting so busy, there's too many people here, and the traffic is rough. I come from Thousand Oaks a lot down to Ventura. It's rough. And there's a lot of people uh, in a lot of cities in our area, and it's growing, and Camarillo is an awesome place to live, by the way. But you know, as we continue to grow as more people move here into our area. Ventura County itself is a growing county. It's a lot of people moving from the Los Angeles area, especially during the pandemic. A lot of people working remotely and a lot of things. And you know about the housing market and all of those things. We won't go into all that. But as we get to know people and more people here, we find there's more and more people, so there's more and more loss. There's more and more challenges, people within our own neighborhoods, within our church, uh, so many different things. And as was said, the pandemic has complicated all of those losses. Now we're coming out of this, and now we have a world situation crisis with the Ukraine. And then we have all kinds of losses, like the one I mentioned at the beginning. So loss continues to compound, and it continues to affect all of us. Frederick the Great said, the more I get to know people, the more I love my dog. <laughs> And as we get to know people and their problems, sometimes people are like, okay, this is too much for me. I'm going to go hang out with the dog. I love my dog even more and more. But the truth is people need love too. People need comforting and encouragement and support and the need in our area for them to know the hope found in the Lord Jesus is so important. That's why I'm so privileged and honored and humbled to be a part of Mark Ministries, which is trying to make a difference in this area. I wrote down the next word, variation. In verse number three, or excuse me, 13, the last part of that verse, says that you as brothers, though concerning those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. This is a very key principle in grief because it reminds us that everybody grieves differently even believers grieve differently, but believers and unbelievers are different kinds of grievers for one main reason, because of biblical hope. I counsel a lot of clients individually, family situations and groups, and I speak in a lot of churches. And wow, it's amazing to see in all the different types of settings to see how faith, how hope makes a big difference in the grief process. It doesn't mean, by the way, as the Apostle Paul acknowledged, that believers do not grieve. And that's important because I'm from the South, as you heard in my somewhat crazy poem at the beginning. And over in the South, they believe you got to be spiritually strong and only the spiritually weak, those are the ones who are grieving and crying. But that is not true because believers, those who have hope, still grieve. They still hurt. They still go through loss. Jesus said before he ascended back to heaven, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have troubles. But he said, my peace I will give you. And there's hope found in Christ. And so we have to understand that there's a variation. There's difference. And as we who have that hope share that hope, it's amazing the difference that it makes. As we get to Romans chapter 14, verse 5, we're reminded in this passage, and the Apostle Paul reminds here that people do things differently. And the context here is about eating and worshiping and judging. In other words, don't judge people just because they eat something differently than you. 
And he said in verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. In verse number 12 of the same chapter, everybody's accountable to God for himself. The whole passage is dealing with different people and the way they do things. They're all accountable to God and let the Holy Spirit work in a person's heart. And we're not the judge. Leave that to God and them. And the main secondary point would be that everybody's different, even when it comes regarding their response. And we need to let them go through their own way of grieving, their own way of dealing with life situations, and let's support and encourage and love them through that. I want you to look at the person beside you for just a moment. Go ahead. It's okay. We're in church. I know. Okay, let me ask you a question. Does that person look different to you than you did when you looked in the mirror this morning? Do, are they different than you? Of course they are. We're all different, right? Okay, now I want you to hold your thumb up for just a minute. Everybody hold your thumb up. Everybody, ha- okay. All right, if you don't have a thumb, another finger will work. Okay, make sure you're holding up the right finger, by the way. Okay, anyway, all right, got your thumb up. Okay, now I want you to look at your thumb. okay. Your thumbprint is unique to you. The person beside you, whether you know them, whether they're family or friends, their thumbprint is different than yours. That's why you go and you go to get on a plane or you go to different places and you register. They're looking at your thumbprint and it registers and it identifies who you are. Your thumbprint is different. You know why? Because also everything about you is unique to God. God made you differently. The way you respond, you're actually also going to grieve differently as well. And that's why it's very important as fellow believers that we don't judge others, that we support and love and we bring hope to their situation. Encourage, pray, love, guide them, but support them. Because there's a variation. And then in this world... There's a huge variation in those who grieve who do not have hope. So very important that we understand there's a variation. I am so glad and I cannot imagine going through loss without knowing Jesus Christ. I can't imagine that. I deal with people that way and that's why at some of the funerals I see people literally crawling into caskets saying, I'm never going to see them again hyperventilating. They're gone. I'll never see them again. It's some hard stuff, hard situations. But we as believers, we have a hope. It's not because we're better than anybody else. It's because Jesus is better. It's because we know him. He is our hope. Then I wrote down the word transformation. We believe that Jesus changed everything, just like the songs that we sang, just like we celebrated last week. Jesus changed everything. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything, including the grief process. Death is not the end. Can you say that with me? Death is not the end. You ready? Death is not the end. He knows our loss and he's with us in our pain. He can take a crucifixion and make a resurrection out of it. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus can take a crucifixion and make a resurrection out of it. He can take your loss and the pain and the suffering of those things and he can resurrect that. 
You think of your loved ones. I'm thinking of my loved ones. He can resurrect that. That's what he does. No wonder the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, which is called the resurrection chapter in the Bible, says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep, there's those words again, in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied or miserable. If Christ had not risen from the de dead, our faith is a waste. You know, we're actually wa we're wasting our time. This is a social club if Christ has not risen. We're just here just to be around people because our faith is futile and we're still in our sins and there's no way to have any hope. And if we have Christ in this life only, if we have hope in him in this life only, poor us. That's good. It's not great. But that's not the case. Jesus died, suffered through death, but did not stay dead. And he is alive today forevermore. And that guarantees us a few things, that he is indeed the son of God, that there is a heaven, because he said, I came down from heaven, but it also guarantees us that there is life after death and that this is not the end. And when we know people who have passed away, we know that we will see them again. There's hope in Christ. When Christ was crucified, seems all of heaven cried. The earth began to shake and buried saints did wake. The disciples hid in fear, only a few stayed near. Soldiers guarded the tomb to seal the Savior's doom. Demons of hell made fun, thinking they had won. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away. Death has lost its sting. He is the risen king. Now hope surely lives. Eternal life he gives. Let everything give praise, both now and for always. Jesus Christ is Lord, alive forevermore. Can we say amen? Is it okay to say that in here? Amen. Can we say hallelujah? Can we just raise our hand and, and worship and praise? Ooh, oh, both hands. I like it, Jeff. That'll work. Amen. He is alive. That's our hope. Without that hope, poor Julie, poor Paul, poor Leora, poor Livia, poor all of us. Hey, Dusty, poor Dusty. But we have a risen Savior. That guarantees that hope within us. Let me give you the last point. I wrote down the word affirmation. Verse 14, the last part of it. We are promised that God will reunite us. He says it right here. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there's that transformation. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Whew, I'm so glad this verse is in the Bible. 
This reminds us that we will see our loved ones again. And by the way, eventually our pets too. How many of you are glad and hope you see your dog or your cat again? Anybody like that? I've got a few. I've got a couple of animals I hope I never see. But anyway, I've got a couple of them. i got a nice little cat named Whiskers. I, I surely, I'm surely believing. Okay, got a great dog named Smokey. Oh, my goodness, a German Shepherd. I can't, I, I'm hoping he comes across that rainbow bridge right into heaven. Romans 8 kind of talks about that. It's a whole other story. Probably, it's hard to imagine that. Would you think about it for just a moment of what it would be like to see your loved one again? Would you picture them in your mind for just a moment? Your mom, your dad, your spouse, your child, friend, neighbor, grandparent. You know who it is. brother, sister. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We try to imagine that, don't we? I've, I've tried to imagine it a million times in the last four years. I wonder what it's going to be like when I see my brother again. It's been four years. I can't believe that what it's going to be like. I'm imagining it, but I don't know if I can fully imagine it. What will it be like? Some of you've lost loved ones more recently than I have, even perhaps closer relationships. Just think of what that reunion is going to be like. Last September, I flew home to see my family. I really wanted to see my mama. Can you tell them from the South? Mama. My grandmother lived across the street from us. I grew up across the street from grandma and grandpa and, and thank the Lord every day for my grandparents, but I really thank the Lord for the swimming pool that my grandparents had. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Okay. I was a kid. But I love going to see Mama and Papa. My Mama was a feisty one. She looked like Elizabeth Taylor is what everybody said. She was a pretty lady. Um, she was just feisty. When we were over there, we had a, there's a bunch of grandchildren. We have, you know, she, she and Papa had five kids, and then every one of their kids had, you know, multiple kids. So we had big family gatherings. There were 81 of us in our family. When my brother passed, he was the first one of that uh, generation area to pass away. So there were a, there's a lot. Well, Mama, I'll never forget Mama, little lady, around 4'11", five foot. Uh, she'd go around and she she was the disciplinarian and she'd she'd pull a sticker but uh, one of these little switches she called them right off the the bush there she'd go around if we wouldn't behave ourselves she'd come around and she'd swat us but it worked and so she but we loved her she could cook oh my goodness she would cook after church on Sundays we'd go over there and she'd cook biscuits these big old they're called they call them cat head biscuits over in the south. They're, they're, they're big. I don't know why they came up with that name. They're, I guess they're as big as a cat's head or something. I don't know. It's weird. But they call them cat head biscuits over there. And she'd have gravy and she'd, all, and she'd fix this big spread and we'd eat with her every Sunday. Growing up across the street. And we had the biggest time, Christmas, all of those things growing up there. Years later, of course, I graduated from high school, went off to college in Tennessee, um, moved, moved away, moved out here eight or nine years ago. But I try to go back and see her as often as I can. And 
when Papa passed away uh, a year and a half or so ago, Mama, her dementia really started to increase. So her dementia would come, and she so she couldn't remember things very well, and and so I talked to her on the phone. But when I went to visit her, she knew I was coming, and she got that stuck in her mind, and. So I'd go over to see her, and I was there for about five days. And every day I'd go over there, and, and the day I flew in, she was literally up. She stayed up later past her bedtime, which was like 7 or 7.30. She stayed up so I could go over there and see her before she went to sleep. That's how excited she was that Paul was home. And i go and see her, but every day she would say the same thing. She said, she'd say, Alva, which was her husband, my grandfather. She would say, she would say I'm ready to go home and see Alva. Ready to go home. I'm getting closer, getting closer. She had a caregiver and she had help, but she, you know, she had her smile and laugh, but she, she would get that in her mind. That was what she was holding on to. And every day I would go and see her and then I'd go walk across the street to my parents' house. And next morning before I get up, she was sitting on the front porch in a rocker looking over there like me. And we get a phone call. Mama wants to see Paul. Mama wants to see Paul. I'd go over there and she'd say, you say, where have you been? It's been a long time. She was serious. She couldn't remember the last night. Where have you been? She said, she said the same thing again. I'm ready to go home. Go see Alva. Getting closer. Getting closer. And we talk a little bit about heaven. And I'd say, Mama, you want to sing? She wanted me to sing with her. So we'd sing, I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses. Then we sing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Then we sing, Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. And then we throw in a Frank Sinatra, When you're smiling, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. And she'd smile real big. And she'd smile and laugh. Then I go home, get up the next morning, she'd sit on the front porch. Get a phone call. Mama's ready for Paul to come over. Get over there. Where you been? It's been a long time. I'm ready to go home. Want to see Alva? I'm getting closer. You want to sing with me? When you're smiling. When here we go again. Five days like that. First of October, she started declining. She developed cancer in her mouth. Spread really fast with the cancer and dementia. The next few weeks, she declined, came on hospice, declined really quickly, and we buried her a few days before Christmas. And I'll never forget those few days with her, hearing about her faith, about her hope, wanting to see Alva. I love thinking of her with Papa all right now and seeing Mark. She called me Mark half the time, it seems like, and that's okay. But then she said, oh, because he, Alva, and my brother Mark was named after Alva, is Mark Alva. And so she got all those things confused, but she was steadfast in that anchor of her soul because she had that hope in her because she knew Jesus. And she knew in her heart that she was going to be with Jesus, be with Alva and Mark. And that hope carried her through some dark times. And I just want to say to you today, I don't know what all you're going through. Some of you have some hard situations. Some of you have loss and grief on the inside, and nobody else really even knows about it except the Lord. I want you to know there's biblical hope for you. Truth is, I don't know what all I'm going to face this week, and you don't either. 
that that hope won't change. It's an anchor of the soul. It's there for you. And Jesus loves all of you, cares for you, gave his life on the cross, was buried, rose again. He's alive today. He knows what we go through, and he is there for us. And he's reaching out to all of us today. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I beg you today, just place your faith in him. Perhaps you've been saved for a while. I want you to know that he's there. He promised he'd never leave you, never forsake you, even when it got really rough in your world. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for these verses of Scripture. Thank you for the reminder that you're always with us. Thank you for the hope we have. Thank you for the beautiful truth that we're going to see our loved ones again. All because of you, Jesus. Thank you that you are alive and our hope is not in vain. Thank you so much for your great love and kindness to us. May this message sink in our hearts. May we hold on to this hope and be reminded of how good you are. We love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.